0: Thank you, Paul, and uh, good morning. And uh, good morning to those that are watching at home. Um, and Andy. A- Andy's not actually in the tent in the backyard, but he, he is in his little outside office. I asked last night, are they poking food sort of under the door? But I hope, Andy, you're not uh, ordering Uber Eats and Rachel doesn't know anything about that or you'll be in more trouble. <laughs> um, Look, today, it's a, it's a great passage, uh, this, uh, this story of the woman, uh, at Nain and uh, Jesus' encounter with her. And, uh, there's some, some really important home truths that we can learn from, uh, from this, uh, story. Uh, let me read it to you. Uh, I did have Josh organised to do the reading today, but, uh, Of course, the COVID's put an end to all of that. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterwards, Jesus had just recently um, been engaging with the centurion and that uh, interesting story about the way that the centurion had said that he didn't even feel worthy that Jesus would come into his household. So being a man of authority and expecting people to do what he says, um, the centurion said, Jesus, just speak the word and, and my, and that's all. My daughter will be healed. And, and that's exactly what happened. So soon after that event, uh, we read this story. Jesus went to a town called Nain and he's uh, disciples and a large crowd went along with him and as he approached the town, a dead person was being carried out. the only son of his mother and she was a widow. and a large crowd from the town were with her and when Jesus saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry." Then he went up and he touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praised God. Great prophet has come amongst us or appeared amongst us, they said. God has come to help his people. Uh, the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country, um, and I've thought a lot about the uh, the story this week and uh, gone over on the, and the week before, um, looking at it and thinking about uh, how we might approach it today. Uh, I've uh, the the subject. Uh, heading today was uh, life um, isn't always fair. Uh, now, I've got a picture. If you could put that picture up, Andrew. Now, that's Ari, and Rachel sent that to us, and Ari's in his playpen. And I reckon at a very young age, because he's only one, he is starting to learn that life is not always the way we want it. Yeah, <laughs> that's enough for the picture. But Ari wants to get out of the playpen, obviously, and do whatever he wants to do. But, of course, it, Mum knows that he's much safer in the playpen because at least he's only getting into what he's supposed to get into. Um, I think it's really important today that you don't get too hung up on that little phrase, life is not always easy it could have been why do bad things happen to good people uh, there are lots of different terms that could have been used to say that this widow woman had been dealt a pretty hard lot in life but I'm not As I've thought about this, that's not what I want you to focus on today. What I want you to be thinking about is the encounter with Jesus. And that's what this series has been all about, that you will focus on Jesus. And uh, the things that have gone on in the earlier part of the service have have helped us to think about that. And... uh, and don't get too hung up on on that title, and maybe the difficulties. But just think about what Jesus did when he had this encounter with this lady. Now, Timothy Keller is the author of a book called Encounter with Jesus, and uh, he had a friend, and his friend said to him, "Can you give me a a, a, a watertight argument for the existence of God?" and Jesus and then I'll believe and uh, Keller said God didn't send us a watertight argument he sent us a watertight person to express uh, that thought and um, everybody encounters the big questions of life why are we here Uh, where do we come from why is there injustice in the world? Why do these bad things happen to good people? We, we all have those sorts of questions. How do we fix the world that we live in? And in the New Testament, God deals with those sorts of questions. And this study on the encounter with Jesus is one of those studies that brings us to recognise that, that God is indeed interested in you, and and all of the intricate details that make you you, God is interested in it. And um, there was no argument um, from from Keller. He's to his friend. He didn't try and argue the purpose or why Jesus came, and God didn't present that argument. Uh, Jesus simply presented himself, and uh, he didn't come to tell us the answers, he came to be the answer. Um, and understanding this, uh, and your life will change. If you understand and appropriate into your life that Jesus is indeed the answer to all of the issues of life, it will make a huge difference. Um Keller says to have a life-changing experience we need to understand who Jesus is and uh, why he came. And to understand the Christian life, go to Jesus and stay there. You don't have to go anywhere else. All of the answers to all of the issues of life are bound up in in Jesus. Um, Now, my prayer, I've prayed much this week about you, uh, who would be here today. Uh, We're all, mostly all friends here today. We know each other fairly well. Lots of us have journeyed for many years together. But sometimes we don't really know what's going on. And I'm sure that you've all got your own individual sets of circumstances today that most of us probably don't know about and uh want you to be thinking today that into that situation Jesus uh wants to to enter. Now one thing is clear, life isn't always fair. You've only got to watch the news. See what's happening in Ukraine. That that is a tragedy, isn't it? And you watch those little children being dragged out through the rubble and all the things that are going on. It's horrible. Just just horrible. Um, they tell me that um, in Australia, one in five children—I can't believe this—one in five children go to bed hungry every night. In Australia, like it's incredible that that should be the case. So no, life's not always fair. That's for sure. Um, this week, of course, we've seen the uh, the war in—sorry—the uh, earthquake in Afghanistan. And they tell me that, from what I read at least about it, that that's a region of the world where they have many earthquakes. But more than a thousand people killed as they slept. No, it's not, not, not fair. Uh, and we worry about so many first world problems, don't we? That, you know, we can't get red capsicum at the supermarket, and we can only get green ones. Well, you know, it's all kind of comes into, into reality, doesn't it? Um, there is no one like Jesus. There is no one like Jesus. I want you to focus on him, on his compassion, and on how his love and how he dealt with this lady. And Jesus came into her life on the worst day of her life. On the worst day. When, when everything was falling apart jesus comes into that situation now i don't think um we we talk about random acts of kindness and you know that's when the person in front of you pays for your coffee and you get up to pay and 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 you hear them talking about it on the radio all the time uh, paying it forward all this good good feeling stuff but jesus does a random act of kindness for this woman uh, it makes a huge difference. Uh, he finds a widow and he'll find you today. It's just exactly where you are, whatever's going on in your life Jesus will know all about that today. Um, now they we'd, we read about this town called Nain and um, and I can assure you there was nothing special about Nain. It was not on the tourist route. When you left Capernaum, it was about a 30-odd kilometre walk. It would have been a difficult walk. It was, a, From what I read about it, it was a poor, small town. Nothing important about Nain. Nothing important about it at all. Um, and uh, so you might ask the question, why did Jesus bother going to Nain? Uh, he just had that encounter with the centurion and uh there was a there was a crowd of people uh, starting to follow him around because they were taken with the fact that he could bring people back to life he could touch people and they would be healed and so uh obviously there was there was a real interest in what was going on now Nain, of course wasn 't all that important in jesus' day, but if you'd have lived in the Old Testament times, it had a little bit more significance around this region because this is the region where Elijah and elisha had been working and it 's in that in this region uh, where Jesus performed this miracle where uh, it, Elisha and Elijah had brought people back to life, young people. So there was significance about Nain, particularly probably to the older people in the crowd that was following Jesus because, of course, the stories... And Luke only got this information second-hand by eyewitnesses that were there and then he wrote it down... Um, and they would have passed on their stories uh, of Elijah and Elisha. And so some people probably started to think, I wonder why he's going to name, uh, you know, hmm, n- well, what happened years ago? I remember hearing about Elijah. It's a, that's an important area. Maybe Jesus is going to do something. And, uh, so, uh, as they headed there, maybe the crowd was thinking about that. They would have known the, um, uh, they would have known what had happened, and um, in this situation, as he goes to Nain, in the difficulties of this lady's life, Jesus uh, comes in and, and is able to minister. Now we know, of course, that God is good. All the time, and all the time God is good. but of course, if you're like this widow in a tragic situation it's not always easy to see that uh, but um, Luke seventeen uh, uh, Luke 7 rather in these few verses, they they paint a very bleak picture what what is fair? about this story. What is, what is fair about the fact that this lady had lost her husband? She was a widow and now her son has died. I can tell you there is nothing fair about the story. Um, and into the most horrible, horrible of days comes Jesus. Jesus. Now, verse 11 says, soon after the encounter with the centurion, Jesus uh, starts to go from Capernaum and this crowd of people, maybe hundreds, following some closer disciples, some just sightseers, wanting sticky beaks, wanting to know what's going on, wonder what he's going to do next, so they they follow, and... Uh, they uh, they come along to this town where really there is nothing to see about nothing no no touristy spots in name but there is a woman who needs help and in verse 12 it says that they come jesus uh and the crowd of people with him come to the town gate now there are two crowds of people now there's a crowd of people that have been following Jesus, and there's a crowd of people that are coming out in a funeral procession, led by a widow who's burying her only son. And these two crowds of people meet at the at the gate of the city, it says, and um, you know. As you think about that woman, there wouldn't have been any welfare for her, there was no social security, Um, there was no support. And also just think about her, this is not the first funeral of course for her because her husband's already died. So she's already had to lead another funeral procession. And now she's leading this one. It's a pretty bleak picture really because if you were ladies, you've got it pretty good today. You actually get to have a say. You get to own things. If you're not happy, you can influence the outcomes. But if you were like this widow woman, living in Jesus' day, you didn't have any rights. And I can tell you that when her husband died, if she'd had money or land or house, possessions, they all went from her to the son. Hmm, now the son has died. What's going to happen? They're not going to go to her in this culture. They're going to go to a relative. Hmm, like that idea of Desi? No, you've got to rely now on somebody else's kindness to look after you in your old age. So this is a pretty bleak Situation that, that they find themselves in. And, uh, and just, I'm sure you could, I'm sure you're imagining how much grief and pain this lady must have been suffering. Without Medicare, without pension, without a network, without hope, and she may very well have ended up having to beg for her existence. So that's the, that's the scene. Big crowd of people following Jesus, another crowd of people coming out of the town with this poor woman who has suffered the loss of everything. <clears throat> and, of course, you've probably seen, like I have on television, uh, those Middle Eastern funerals. <clears throat> They're not like our funerals. I saw one in Palestine just recently on the television coming through the streets and it was a commotion. They were wailing and weeping and expressing their emotion outwardly and just struggling with what was going on and there was a, there was a stretcher and on that stretcher lay a body that had a bit of a sheet around it That's the sort of funeral procession uh, that Jesus would have encountered here. Um, And uh, as uh, these these two crowds met, uh, this is the scene that Jesus was confronted with. Now look at verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said... Don't cry. Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus saw, it's very important to think about that, Jesus saw the need. He saw her, he saw the need, and um, he knew the need. Now, last week, Raph reminded us that when Jesus met that rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler thought he had certain needs ref reminded us that jesus looked right through that and knew exactly what the need of that young man was put his finger exactly on where the need was and jesus knew the need immediately of this woman uh, jesus uh would have would have um uh come into this scene um and what does he see He doesn't see the crowd. He doesn't see the body. He doesn't see the mourners. What does that verse tell us? He sees the widow. He sees the widow. And, uh, that's powerful, I think. As you think about that, he sees her loss. He's got compassion for her. And so what does he say? Don't cry. Don't cry. Now, the next funeral you're at, Raph, here's a tip. Do not tell the grieving widow, don't cry. It is not helpful. It's not helpful. Uh, And um, you talk about political correctness. There was nothing correct politically about what Jesus said to her. Um uh, but Jesus uh then um, goes up to this stretcher that they're carrying the young man out on and he touches it. How did this big crowd of people with Jesus and this big crowd of people coming out of the out of the city and this woman leading it how did it all stop into one spot? I reckon it all stood still in slow motion when Jesus touched that stretcher. I think at that point, you could be absolutely sure that you could hear a pin drop. Why? Because it was scandalous for a Jew to 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 associate with a dead body and touch the, 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 the body and touch the stretcher. And and they believed they would become unclean by doing that. But we know there are lots of instances about Jesus. When he came across the lame and the blind and the lepers and the sick people, what did he do? He touched them. He touched them. Um, Now... Here's an interesting thing. They believed you would become unclean. So did Jesus become unclean by the touch? No. Those people that engaged with him, they became clean. He didn't become unclean. They caught his cleanness. He didn't catch their uncleanness. The other interesting thing about this is that there is no beating of the drum here, no fanfare, no show. There's nothing nothing uh, fancy about what Jesus is doing with this this situation. He's he hasn't whoa hang on. Can you see over there at the back? There's none of that. He just goes up to the to the stretcher, touches it. And then he speaks to the young man um of course who's dead. Um so I wouldn't suggest you do this at a funeral, that you go up and interfere like this, unless, of course, you're going to raise the dead. So you might see yourself in this story today as being Jesus. You might have the power to do that. But later on, I might ask you whether you see yourself more as the, as the widow in the story. Um, so uh, Jesus... Goes up in verse fourteen he says uh, to the young man, get up. And what's verse fifteen tell us? It says the dead man sat up, began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What's the focus here? What's the focus? Jesus is not focused on the young man at this point. The young man's been raised back to life. We know that because he was talking. And he sits up. The focus, Jesus' focus here is on not the miracle of the young boy coming to life, Jesus' focus is on restoring the young boy back to his mother. His focus is on the woman. And what did we say earlier? He saw her. He saw her need. He hadn't lost sight of the fact that her need was to be restored to her boy. And and so Jesus restores this young boy back to her mother. And I think she was more important in the story, more important than the miracle. I think she was more important than the fact that Jesus brought this young boy back to life. Because Jesus had this compassion after he saw the sad plight of this woman. He had compassion on her and, and she was the focus of all that he was, he was doing. And so, um, there was no big deal, look at me moment with Jesus. He didn't make the thing about himself. He made it simply about the mother. Um, And she was far more important. Today, Jesus, the same Jesus, is willing, wanting, able to be involved in our lives. And, And he has that same focus, that he is willing, Whatever is grieving us, whatever brokenness we might feel, and don't for a moment think that you can fool anyone else in this room that we don't all have periods of brokenness, periods of hurt, periods of difficulty, periods of sadness, periods of loss we all all have it all of us that are here today have. Something in our life that is tough and difficult. And into that, Jesus wants to come and be involved like he was with this woman. And um, the focus for Jesus was the woman. And the focus today, and as we think about the Encounters with Jesus series, is he wants to have an encounter with you today. Um, verse 16 tells us that the crowd they were filled with awe and wonder, and thought that a great prophet was amongst them. Well, no, no wonder they they'd be, they'd be remembering now even more what Elijah and Elisha had done, and they'd be starting to piece it together and think, wow, you know, this Jesus, he he may well indeed be a prophet. Um, we haven't seen anyone else do the things that he has been doing. We know if we went on further into the chapter, uh, there was an encounter with the disciples of John the Baptist, and a lot of what's happening is building credibility to who this person Jesus is and what he can do. Um, But in this particular instance, I'm not the least bit surprised that they were filled with awe and wonder because Jesus had raised a young boy back to life again and restored him back to a grieving mother and she would have been filled with joy and the crowd would have known all the history of what was going on. Now, verse 17 tells us that, that reports start spreading everywhere about uh, what happens. You know why? Because in that day there was nobody else like Jesus. There was nobody like Jesus And today, fast forward to 2022, there is no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. Jesus is amazing. Jesus makes all the difference in whatever the difficulties that we might face in our lives today. In the hardest, hardest of times, Jesus makes the difference. Now, Jesus' love for this woman began with what? A look. He looked at her, and uh, it says that he had compassion. Problem is, we do not always look like Jesus looks. Been into Flinders Street Station lately, anybody? Anybody? When, when you come out of Flinders Street Station, what do you encounter? Thank you. Exactly. All of these homeless people. What do you do? You see them, Sam, don't you? You see them, but you don't really see them. That's not what happened in this story. Jesus saw the woman and he engaged with the woman. Maybe they had eye contact, I don't know. But there is seeing and there is seeing like Jesus. And I want to encourage you today when you are working and helping and involved with people, make sure you see like Jesus. Um, There's plenty of examples in the scripture about when Jesus saw and what his response was. For uh, just to read some to you here. Um, Matthew nine twenty six says when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion. Luke eleven thirty three, when he saw Mary weeping after the death of Lazarus, he was deeply moved. When he approached the city of Jerusalem in Luke 19:41, it says he saw the city and he wept over the city. We do not see like Jesus sees, but we need to pray that God would open our eyes to see like Jesus sees. And at just the right time... These two processions of people, the two great crowds of people, meet at the town gate. They arrive just at the precise time. Was that a coincidence? One had travelled 30 odd kilometres, walked all day, maybe more than a day, I'm not sure, and another was coming out with a funeral procession and they meet. Is that a coincidence? No, no. Jesus had in his mind that he would go to this city. He was not taken off guard. He was indeed God in human flesh and knew that that woman had a need. But he equally knew as he looked down through the passages of time that we would talk about her today. And he would know that you have needs today and he wants to minister uh, to you. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe they're health issues. Um, maybe you have difficulties today with health problems and uh, uh, you don't quite know how things are going to work out. Uh, but I can assure you that God does. Um, maybe there will be some families that are struggling today. There will be some difficulties going on in our families that maybe others don't know about, but you will know about them and you'll be troubled by them. Um, I think what this story tells us is that Jesus knows that. He sees that. And he wants to help in that situation and and that is that is not easy i um, i I spent a few hours with a friend this week, not known to i don 't think many of you would not know him here today, but his wife um, she had a, uh, a an organ transplant a year or so ago, and as a result of that um, because of that organ transplant, she's doing quite well with that new organ. But do you know what happened? With, the, with that new organ came cancer. And she now has cancer to deal with that she didn't have before. And I know that that family have also got a break-up going on with one of their daughters. They're struggling. They are doing it tough. I uh, went last Friday down to see Terry. Now, Terry's known, Terry and Joy, known to most of us here today. Some will know, most might know, but maybe all won't know that Terry has been given a medical diagnosis for a problem and a very short time to live. What's fair about that? Joy is in care with her advanced Parkinson's and now Terry has been dealt a hard blow. From a human perspective, there's nothing fair about these sorts of things. But I can tell you that Terry is very positive about it. His faith is strong. He's looking forward to glory But there is a sadness attached to it all as well. So into all of these difficult situations comes Jesus. And you might say, well, that's all right if he he raised this widow's son. He did all these things for her. But I don't see him doing them for me. I I don't see him fixing these problems for me. My problems are still very real. My health is failing. I've got some issues, and I don't want everybody to know, but I'm worried about them. Uh, I'm worried about my wayward son or my wayward daughter or my grandchildren. I'm worried about the fact that my relatives are not getting on with them, whatever it might be. I'm worried, Sam touched on it last week, the stock market's fallen significantly, self-funded retirees are going to do it a bit tougher. Uh, it's all relevant, of course, but still that's a problem and people have got to deal with those things. Where is God in the midst of all this? I don't know today what's going on in your life. Uh, you, you're the only one who knows that. Maybe your immediate family, but I, I don't know. But God knows. And uh what I do know is that if you allow God to come into those situations, I know that God cares. I know that God loves you. I know that God is compassionate. I know that no matter what happens today, you are not abandoned. And I know that even though the end chapter has not yet been written, God still wants to work with you. Compassion is not standing back and just analysing the situation and not getting involved, offering a bit of you know um, light-hearted uh, encouragement to somebody. That's not compassion. US researcher, a woman called Dr. Breen Brown, she's a professor at Houston University, She um, speaks about the story of a well. She said, um, think of it a bit like this. A friend falls into a well. They're walking along and there's a hole in the ground and they don't see it and they fall in. And you come along. Oh, a long way down. Oh, oh, oh. hey, probably cold down there. Can I get something for you? Maybe a sandwich. (laughs) You want a sandwich? I'll get a sandwich. When you're stuck down the bottom of the well, the sandwich is the last thing you're thinking about, of course. Shouting sympathies from the top doesn't do much for the person in down the bottom. But what is helpful is if you've got a ladder and you stuck it in the hole and you climbed down and you sat down there with them and said, we'll get out of this. We'll find a way. We'll, we'll get out together. I'll help you. That's compassion. Compassion. The other is hmm, sympathy, at best. Um, Let me ask you as we finish, what what is your well today? What's the hole that you feel like you're in? This woman, she had an enormous hole to get out of. What was going to happen to her? And Jesus intervened and we know what happened. So whatever the difficulties, whatever issues you're facing, whatever the challenges, I leave you with the thought that Jesus cares, he sees, he loves you. you. Many of you have been on the journey for many years in your Christian faith. I challenge myself about this. We cannot live on borrowed blessings or past blessings. You have to live in the now you cannot look back and say, I oh, remember what Jesus did 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Those things, they're nice to reflect on, but it's now where the rubber hits the road. It's today. It's it's this this day. It's the problems we face today. How do we handle them? Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Stay there. And I'm sure that he will meet you in your need. And if you want some help with that, there are lots of people that would love to journey with you. They'd love to get down into the hole and sit with you and pray with you and encourage you and help you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that today, as we spend, have spent this time together and we've reflected on how Jesus engaged with this lady that it suffered much loss. It teaches us that you care, that you see us, that you are interested in us, that you love us, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. And so, Father, I pray whatever our heart aches are today, whatever the struggles we might all be facing, different for each of us, will you minister into that for us and help us to afresh come to you, thank you for your your many, many blessings of the past and help us today to go into the future with a confidence that we are yours. Regardless of what happens, you're in control and we just trust you for whatever the outcome might be. So Father, thank you for our time together and the privilege and the and, and the blessing of fellowshipping with you and with one another. Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.